This is Inside Marketing, brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions. Hello everyone and welcome to Inside Marketing, the first uh, in our 2020 series. I'm joined today by Shen Nan, who's a Group MD of Dentsu Aegis Network, and Mark Fagan, who is COO of iProspect Global. So welcome guys. Thanks Dave. Hey Dave. Did you have a good Christmas? We did. Happy New Year. Good. Happy, Happy New, New Year, Year to you everyone. too. Um, good. Right. We'll kick off. It's 2020. And I think when in marketing land, that means trends. And there's quite a lot of trends you can't seem to read or um, look at anything without seeing trend reports. So it seems only fitting we do trends. But I think we're, what we're going to do is take a different slant on it. Um, we'll we'll try and step back a little bit and look at some of the big things. So I, we'll talk about what I call macro trends as opposed to the micro trends of, say, um, VR and that kind of stuff. And Mark, you have a very interesting article in today's Irish Times. I urge everyone to read it, check it out. Um, talking about three really big, meaty trends for the future. Um, and so to kick off, um, you first of all talked about a decade of regulation. Um, and that was interesting because it feels like we've come from a decade of heavy regulation. So on reading the article, I wasn't sure where you were going. Are you saying that it's going to get better or it's going to get worse? Or what exactly do you mean by a decade of regulation, the decade to come? Sure, yeah. Look, I think, um, is it going to get better? Yes. Uh, I, look, I think the whole concept behind regulation or GDPR, uh, you know, some of the things that we've seen here in Europe and in Ireland more specifically, it's been a good thing for the consumer. Um, it's, you know, there's a real focus around consumer privacy. There's a real focus around what brands and publishers are able to use with your data and, and been able to use that in a responsible way. And I think this is just the beginning uh, of where we're going to go. Um, th- there has been, you know, consequences around the user experience, for example. So, you know, GDPR has been written by people who I think fully didn't fully understand the, you know, the consequences of what they're looking to do. I think the intentions were absolutely right. Um, but I think we're going to see this evolve. I think you're going to see this improve. So, you know, as an example, you know, anyone who, who kind of surfs the web today on their mobile device, having to accept and, you know, unaccept cookies as you go into websites can be a slightly frustrating experience. I think that's going to, I, I would hope that's going to slightly improve in, in, in the years ahead. But this this like concept of regulation in the digital space, it's going to continue to um, uh, be, you know, be front of mind uh, for, for government uh, for marketers and brands and marketers need to think about this and need to think about if they're starting to think about the next 10 years ahead, regulation, uh, how you, how you um, communicate with, with, your, with your consumers in a really responsible way should be at the forefront of what you do. There's lots of different standards, and I think we know that in in global economies, brands don't work in multi-regulatory environments. So, do we think GDPR would be the de facto standard, or is it how close is that with how America might go? Um, do you think it's going to be one standard fits all? Or uh, I think like you, you've got things like California data law. You've got various different uh, you know regulations as, as, you, as you know as, as we as we look around markets around the world. I don't think there's going to be a de facto, a de facto standard, but I do think there's probably going to be a template and. Um, I think I'm sure the Europeans will be looking at what's working well in the US and vice versa. Um, but, you know, even even within Europe, you have other markets like the UK and I know uh, Germany that have slightly different standards, which, which you know, it's not going to be a one size fits all approach. Mm. Yeah. And I totally agree <clears throat> with the point about it, it's unintended consequences. I think GDPR had its heart in the right place, but it's overcorrection. And what's happened is, you know, I think it's ended up 
nullifying itself because what you do is people just accept all when you go on. It's annoying going to the same websites, having to accept the same terms and conditions. Um, actually, we chatted off air and you mentioned something about cookies and, you know, browser level cookies um, in terms of the context of regulation. What are your thoughts on that? So, so just first of all, I guess to, to say about, you know, um, as, as you pointed out there, how people have become so used to these messages that say accept all. So the, the tendency is you click on everything and you accept all of, all of the cookies. I think that's the, if you like, that's the letter of the law of GDPR that you must have this, this signage here. But I think the other thing we have to bear in mind is what sits in the background of that. And that is that there is a responsibility to treat people's data in the right way. So whatever about that, you know, accept all as, as a, let's say, a mechanic, what marketers need to think about and what the decade of regulation for, for me really means is that you need to consistently think about how you're acting responsibly. So I think one of the first things that we'll see is less usage of third-party cookies. So with um, further regulation, uh, uh, I think we will see the death of third-party cookies. And when we say third-party cookies, what we mean is cookies that collect information about all of my browsing habits on the web, and then that data is sold as, as, as targeting. So we're already seeing that that's not going to be the future. However, there's a value in first-party cookies because first-party cookies are the things that allow you to navigate throughout a site easily, put something in a basket, come back and, 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 and check out effectively. And so nobody really wants, I think, that to become an, an, an awkward um, customer experience. So I think if we, if we think about cookies as a, a consequence of more regu regulation, then I think first-party cookies become really, really important for a customer experience, but they also become really important for marketers in advertising because first-party cookies are the purest form of information. They're highly permission-based. They are your own customers telling you things about themselves. And so I think the brands that will win in this next decade will be those that focus their efforts not on third-party and trying to buy cheap data, as it were, to, to make marketing decisions, but focus on first-party data first and foremost. Mm. Um, you mentioned a, a point there about responsibility because arguably it's, it's not the cookie per se, it's the, it's the cookies, the vehicle, the, the misuse of data was the problem. Um, and when I listen to the industry talking, it seems we were, were trying to find ways around that. So is this just a case that we'll find a way around this again? Or do you think people will, companies will genuinely get better um, at being responsible with data or do you think we'll, we'll find a workaround if the cookie's gone and we've we've found another piece of tech that can yeah, do the same thing look, we're going to look for for workarounds to to make the industry work but i think there is a growing sense that there's a responsibility i think we'll look back in time and we'll say this was the decade of regulation but we'll look back in time and we'll say my god remember when people didn't value their own data remember when people just gave it away willingly and I, I think you already see that in certain countries you know um, my my husband is German and has a totally different attitude than we perhaps mm, yeah. have here where he doesn't ever want to give away any information about himself because he, he he doesn't like to do this I think we'll see more of that and I think as a marketing or as an industry, we need to accept that, that there's a responsibility here. But I think very 
very quickly, consumers will tell us more and more that they're also not prepared to accept uh, irresponsible behaviour. Yeah, I guess a good point. It's back to that value exchange that we talk about. I will give my data as long as I get something back. Um, but I think one thing that slightly, when I hear people talking about it and it's people not in the industry, there's a, a misperception around the fact that cookies, the kind of blocking of cookies means removal of ads and that's not the case it just means less relevant ads mm-hmm. like you will you will probably start to see you know back to the bad old days of you know loads of irrelevant messaging and and that's i think just the big thing about about data and um protection is it's tried to have the consumer at heart and i think a lot of the changes that we make like gdpr has created a bad user experience and the death of third-party cookies will result in less relevant ads and that's not necessarily a good thing from a consumer it's a good thing to you know, be responsible with data, but the end result is is going to be a, a kind of a clunky interim period while we figure this out. Yeah, but it, but it has held um, some of these technology platforms to account as well to to ensure that you know consumer privacy and and their intentions are, are right at the heart of what they do. So I think that, that, that there's been a good consequence to that. I do think though. You do have a very valid point around, you know, relevant advertising. So, you know, Facebook isn't a free environment. You know, if you if you want to if you want to go out on Facebook and share share content and you know and find out what's going on, there's there's going to continue to be advertising. They need they need to fund that platform. So I think that that is going to continue to be the case. What is interesting though, and you know, I talk about in the article is that this is starting to play into the hands um, of the larger platforms. Where you know first party, you know we talk about first party data, or or you know, or being able to to um, have a more relevant user experience within within an ecosystem, within a platform. So I'm talking about a Google or a Facebook or an Amazon as well, um, and I and I think that's that's going to be interesting to see how how um, how those platforms evolve. And and but but I you know I know from working with those guys as well is that you know data responsibility, you know, data governance is is key to what they do and it's central to, you know, how they're going about thinking about planning over the years ahead. Um, and we, we'll talk about the, the big um, tech companies now in a sec, but if you're one of the, the long tail of publishers here or anywhere else who's been kind of just browbeaten every day and losing money <clears throat> to Google and Facebook, um, do you think the the death of a cookie offers any kind of um, respite for these people? Is it, is it good for them? Is context more important now? Or Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what, what is likely to happen, is that as we move more from more personal information about how you what you've done on a site and how you've navigated through the site and collecting data, I think we'll see that context and location become much more important as targeting vehicles. So for publishers... That's, I think, a a really interesting uh, opportunity for them in the future. But I think also, going back to when we talk about first party signed in, logged in data, that's also important for publishers as well, is that they're creating content that um, people want to to consume, but that they're actually encouraging sign-ins and logins and collecting that data so that they can compete effectively. But I think most importantly, it does put context and location firmly as let's say, uh, pretty major targeting opportunities from a marketer's perspective. We've talked a lot about publishers just in terms of marketers and advertisers. Um, how do you think this decade of regulation applies to them or, or what are the things they should be thinking about or doing? Yeah, look, it, it, for, for me, it's about that you're going to have to invest in the infrastructure. 
you're going to have to start thinking about, you know, how are you going to be able to store data responsibly? How are you going to leverage data responsibly? You need to think about your recruitment strategy, um, you know, making sure you've got people with the right skill sets in place that are they're kind of they're going to be able to future-proof your business. And also you need to think about the, the kind of the partner ecosystem, you, if you like, that you're going to work with as well. You know, prob- probably businesses that wouldn't have been on your radar two or three years ago, you know, now Salesforce, Adobe, people like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google um, are, are, are going to start coming into in, into play, and I think I think that's for me that's that's the, the the kind of the key the key outcome for this is that you know businesses need to invest in this space. It's not going away. It's, it's if anything, it's going to increase, and it's and it's beholden on, on businesses to make sure they've got the right infrastructure in place. Um, okay, so we've chatted already quite a lot about the, the big tech companies. Um, and Mark, in your article, you make a you make a, a nice point, which says that a couple of years ago they were very clear on what they did. We knew Facebook was social, Google was to search for stuff, etc. Um, and we're seeing a lot a lot of these diversify and and you know extend into new. They're just getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, and you've called that out as being an important trend um, for advertisers. So do you yeah. want to just expand on that? Sure. Like, look, the, the the thing for me is is that if you look at those businesses ten years ago, so you know Facebook hadn't even acquired Instagram uh, as an example, and you you look at let's say you take a, a business such as Facebook, um, they've. They have, you know, you've got the Facebook platform, they have Instagram, they have WhatsApp, they've got Facebook Messenger. So all those moments in the day, those opportunities um, to be able to communicate and engage with consumers, um, they've got that right throughout the, the, the kind of daily life of, of a consumer. I called out a few examples there. I used videos, one example, which is, you know, for me, which is really interesting. You look at Prime, which I got for free with my Air account before Christmas. They, they, they're now investing in the, 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 the most expensive TV series in history. Apple have just committed over six billion in content. Um, Google of YouTube, which is the largest video platform, you know, um, in the world. And, you know, I'm not even including Netflix and, and, and Disney and people like that as well. So they have um, completely evolved their business models compared to 10 years ago. Um, they're now starting to think about um, how they're actually going to be able to capture that consumer attention right throughout the day, right, right, right throughout the week. And I think businesses need to think about it. Um, if, you, you know, I, I did talk about um, Amazon, you know, selling things now, you know, they've got Amazon Web Services, they've got Prime, which is their content piece. It, the, the, the list, you, you know, you think about Alexa, and I, t- I talked about voice uh, yeah. or digital assistance the last time I was on. It's, 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 it's incredible, um, you know, the, the, the kind of the reach these businesses have. And if anything, it's going to increase in, over the next few number of years. That's that's bad and depressing news if you're one of the long tail of small publishers that they're getting bigger and better. Um, you know, and they are great from a from a, a self serving advertiser point of view. They're they're great platforms, but um, is is it sustainable? Do you think, Shenda? What's your view on that one? Do you think this is sustainable that these four, well, three here in Ireland, big players are just going to get bigger and they're going to own not even their own, their, their own kind of initial ecosystem that they talked about. So Facebook is going to be transactional and, and encroach on um, retail. Is it sustainable? Yeah, I think that's that's a good question. I mean, there's first of all, there's no doubting the dominance of, of these players and some of the things that you might even n- not think about. You know, we, we talked a few weeks ago or, or in late 2019 about the growth of esports and we talked about the biggest platform for esports, Twitch, and Amazon owns Twitch. Amazon, you know, heavily involved in commerce. Um, there's a, a very nice stat from, um, I think it's a, a, a PwC publication that says that 84% of Irish people buy from sites 
outside of Ireland. So, yes, that's that's a pretty. Those are pretty stark uh, figures when you, when you look at them. And I do believe that these ecosystems are only going to get bigger and are only going to start moving into other areas and and build out that ecosystem. So yes, from an Irish uh, publisher or e-commerce provider perspective, that's that's a that's a tough place to be. But I think recognizing it is the first first thing, and then thinking about what are some of the things that that we can do. So let's say, for example, if you look at commerce as a small retailer, you need to start really looking at your own commerce um, con- consumer journey and how you offer commerce, because I think it's what what it means for for you as a retailer here is that it's no longer good enough to say my site is good enough for Ireland. It has to be good enough globally. So it puts much more pressure on Irish uh, businesses to make sure that they are competing and and trying to offer something of of additional value. But yes, it's a tough environment in which um, these businesses will have to operate. But the the real key thing is is to learn from these these publishers and and from these these ecosystems and to start looking at things like customer experience, new ways to engage with customers, learning from those big ecosystems as what are some of the tips and ways that that, that you need to behave. So we now know, for example, that click and collect, for for example, is, is something that every retailer needs to be able to offer. Um, next day delivery are things that, that retailers need to, to be able to offer. And I think we're seeing Irish retailers offering some of that. We we heard just in the news last week that we're going to have drone deliveries in Ireland in March. Let's see if it happens. But apparently we're going to have drone deliveries in March. That'll be one of the first countries in which we, we uh, can have drone delivery. And I think we shouldn't underestimate our ability to do things like that. Yes, we can't compete from a scale perspective, but you know, if we can do things and new initiatives that, that are, are unique and technology focused, then I think there's an opportunity for Irish businesses as well. Um, it's not going to happen here, but I, I think as when we think about the consequences of the growth of these mega platforms, and, and we even see their share of the advertising spend as digital grows, their share of that digital spend continues to grow in, in the UK and the US um, and here as well. There's talk on the on the US presidential campaign trail that that these companies may be broken up. Um, and I don't know where I stand on that because I believe in capitalism, but then I believe that once you get so much money, you can create an unfair advantage. It's kind of like monopolistic capitalism to a degree. Mark, what are your thoughts on that? Is it kind of wishful thinking that for publishers or, or other people just praying for a breakup of monopolies? Um, it's a good question. Uh, one that I don't know the answer to, but, but from my perspective, I don't buy it. Um, I think there's you know some posturing in the US election that's going on right now about breaking up Facebook. But if they're all going to be run off one back end, I'm, I'm, I find it difficult to understand how you, how you would kind of figure out how you split a business up. Like th- there, is, there is a consequence to, to the, the growth of e- the ecosystems, which I talk about, is that they have an incredible offering for brands, okay? They have, you're going to be, and, you know, we talked a little bit earlier on about, you know, the death of cookies, but you're going to be able to get access to first-party data in these, with what we call these walled gardens. And there's going to be great opportunity for brands to be able to engage with, with consumers, but they're going to pay a premium for that. Okay, that's that's one thing. Will will we see the breakup of um, some of these businesses? I don't think so. What I do think is, um, 
there's going to be much greater uh, focus on on the growth of these businesses. There's going to be much greater focus on the areas that they move into um, to make sure that they're, they are being um, kind of held to account as to what they can do and what they can't do. Um, do I see the breakup of, of, of Facebook? Personally, no. Um, there, there's conversations about, you know, double click and Google as well over the years. But, but again, you know, it's hard to see. And I'm, I understand where you're coming from as well from a from a capitalist point of view, um, you know, these businesses have been a phenomenal story. You know, they have defined the history of technology over the last 10, 20 years. Um, and, you know, do think that they, they, they have helped a lot of people in their daily lives, you know, but, but also, look, we need to make sure they've been, they've been held to account to make sure that they can't enforce any kind of monopolistic practices. Um, but I think, you know, in the US, you, you see some of the Democratic candidates calling for it. Um, it's it's maybe maybe it's part of an election ploy, but hey, who knows? So I wouldn't hold my breath if if that's kind of what we're saying. It's not going to happen anytime soon, whether we think it's fair or not. Um, we move on to the to the last point, the last trend, if you will. I didn't see this one as a trend initially because I, I saw it as something big that's just going to happen. But you mentioned you talk about connectivity and uh, in, in increased speed of connectivity and, and fueled by 5G predominantly. So I'll throw that one out and say, what's your you know view on that in terms of the implications for the marketing landscape, for advertisers, for consumers and users, um, the potential that that offers up? Sure. Look, there's one stat I call out, um, which is Irish e-commerce is going to double in the next four years. And I think part of that is down to greater connectivity. So people are going to be online more they're going to be using their phones, but it's 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 not just their mobile device. And I, you know, I, I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier on. Technology such as five G is going to enable people to get faster access to the web um, at more times of the day. But it's going to offer greater context. You're going to be able to access the internet in your car using voice technology. You're going to be able to talk to Alexa in the kitchen. And what this is mean is this this is giving people more of an opportunity and brands more of an opportunity to engage with consumers. And I think it's going to drive it's going to drive. Um, great sales. It's going to also have a bigger impact on other industry and we, we, we can get to them in a moment, but this concept um, of, um, you know, faster speeds, I think it's going to drive growth in the space. It's going to drive growth online. It's not going to be the, the sole reason, you know, there's, there's lots of different um, uh, r- reasons and rationale behind that growth in e-commerce, but I do think this piece such as 5G is going to mean people are going to be online more. It's going to be more, much more of an opportunity for brands to engage with people. And I think that, you know, again, I would urge brands to start thinking about that as well. Shanda? So, yeah, I think uh, 5G brings, certainly it brings greater speed. And, you know, you can say, well, you know, I, I can already watch pretty much what I want online. What does more speed mean to me? But I think it means a lot specifically in the mobile space. So greater speed means that we can now watch, you know, broadband, you know, fixed broadband quality uh, video, for example, on mobile with any of the buffering issues. And so I think one of the first implications of um, 5G is um, an explosive growth in mobile video. And I think it will drive that really quite successfully because that's literally what what people are crying out for is the ability to be able to watch any movie stream anything when you want on your mobile on the go so i think that's one of the first things that that we'll see um secondly mark talked about um voice i think what we'll see is an acceleration of voice because the second thing that 5g brings is the ability for lots and lots of devices 
to be connected with no sort of disruption or, or interference with too many devices connected at once. So we're likely to see lots and lots of div different devices around the home connected to the internet and people using voice more extensively. So I think that's the second thing. Third thing I think is with all of those connected devices, you know, when we talk about understanding people and their behaviors, we're primarily talking about when they go online, but with lots more connective devices and sensors and things like that, we've the ability to know how people are moving throughout their home and what they're doing and how they're behaving within the home. You know, we hear all of these stories about, you know, knowing what's in the fridge and, you know, when, when we've run out of X, Y, and Z. So I think it brings with it the ability to do lots more of that internet of things and for that to become a reality. And Mark, in your article, you talk about one of the, the advantages of, of 5G would be that AI will become much more prevalent. So in terms of our industry, and this is a question that I asked Dave Lenny um, last year, when you think about automation and, and things getting quicker, does that, what impact does that have on the agencies? I know there's, you mentioned a couple of different industries, but the ad industry and agencies, what do you, do you think the implication for agencies is that we'll be downsizing or just keeping the same headcount, but redeploying people? Um, it's a good question. I think so. There's, there's, there's two strands to it for me. So the first is that, you know, if you if you have a more connected world, such as five G, you know, you, you you think about, Shenda mentioned, you know, the Internet of Things, and people are going to be more connected. It's going to it's going to bring bring much greater data points, and there's going to be much more data in the world than in, in the next ten years than there, than there was in the last two years ago. It's simple maths. You're going to need technologies such as AI, machine learning, automation to be able to help better understand, you know, to, to gather all that data in one place, to, to offer insights, to be able to make, you know, to be able to figure out what the next decision needs to be. And I think that's going to impact industries, it's going to impact agencies, it's going to impact health, it's going to impact the financial industry. And I think all businesses, including agencies, are going to need to evolve. Uh, they're going to need to think about how can we better adopt um, these, these new technologies, uh, but also how do we retrain and reskill our people as well to make sure that, for example, in an agency, people are much more consultative and they're allowing that uh, kind of technology to be able to kind of do a lot of the heavy lifting, which, you know, over the last 10 years, maybe agencies were, were on to do. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, we've talked about this before. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if agencies are removed from some of the executional stuff because there's a lot of errors wasted. It's quite heavy requirement of people and to play the role of, even in-house, we've talked about if clients in-house things, they, while they might have people who are capable of execution of campaigns, they'll still need that kind of management or, or service layer in terms of consultancy and that kind of stuff. So I think it's not a bad business model and certainly something I'd probably see happen no, like in the midterm. The, the AI is not going to be able to create a strategy. It's not going to be able to write a comms plan. It's not going to be able to, to kind of figure out some of the nuances in a, in, in a for a particular brand. So I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's, like any, it's like any business, you know, we're, they're going to have to evolve. You know, the world changes. Pe people need to evolve. Business needs to evolve. And it, it's, it's no different for agencies than it is for, you know, uh, people in the manufacturing industry. I, I think uh, the, one, one of the things that we, we will see is the um, emergence of new and different roles. So as Mark talked about proliferation of data, that's the other big thing when we talk about 5G, the ability to do so many things, create so much more data, more data to be processed and analysed. So I think as agencies, 
there's probably a whole other skill, you know, set, mm. set of skills that are going to be required, which is to understand how to more effectively process data and, and to utilize data. So at one level, I think we'll move to much more higher value strategic, because of course, it's not the data, it's about, you know, the mining of the insight and the understanding of what you can do with that data strategically. But I think at the other, we're going to need people who are really super smart and clever at processing that data. And, and I agree, the things that, that all of us want to go away are things like uh, lots of administrative processing of things. And we've already gone some way to doing that, but the industry is crying out for that, not having to do these sort of manual tasks. And, and, and that's, to be frank, is, it doesn't attract talent. Uh, you won't attract talented people who want to do that kind of work. Um, I'm looking at the, the three trends that we have there and from a not, not so much from a, an agency point of view, from a client point of view, do you think clients need to reconsider a new role maybe in their in their marketing team or within their business? Because if you think about the growth of those ecosystems, the, the speed and increased potential that 5G offers up and yet both of those things happening in a tricky era of heavily regulated and kind of a minefield of regulation. Uh, do you think clients are set up to operate in that environment or do you think it's the start of a new decade um, if you're a client should you be thinking about maybe hiring and uh, you know somebody with you talked about in your article Mark about um, data scientists that kind of stuff at maybe at an agency level but is it worth clients thinking about this now or should everybody have a data scientist or strong data capability in house? Well few questions do you have someone who understands uh, data data privacy um, GDPR the, the regulation. If if the answer to that is no, can you can you uh, uh, you know employ a partner that that does? If not, you need to get that skill set within within your business. We talked a lot about um, data and you know the greater use of data. Again, yeah, you absolutely need to have people who really understand the whole kind of infrastructure that's required for businesses to be able to capitalize uh, on this new kind of era of data. Uh, uh, and automation, so you you need to have those skill sets in the business. In, in the business, and if you don't, can you can you employ a partner that 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 can fix that problem, or that can address that problem, if you like, um, or opportunity. The the other thing as well is that um, it's it's not just it's I don't think it's industry specific. Mm -hmm. This comes back to how we're uh, you know the, the the kind of the modules in university, how we're how we're kind of educating um, the the, the Kids in secondary school within these areas. I know. I know it, it, it has been addressed, but I, I would. I would think that needs to be, you know, a, a kind of a priority focus for government in the years ahead as well, because it's it's not just. Um, it, this isn't just specific to you know the, the marketing industry to, to specific to brands. This is this is this is you know a, a, a kind of a global challenge, if you like. So, Dave, you, you talk about, uh, or you asked about, is you know, does every marketing organisation need a, a data scientist? And I think it's a little bit, it's a little bit broader than that. I think effectively, what what you're asking is, are are marketeers in Ireland on that digital transformation journey? And I, I think there's a, a really super interesting uh, study done by Dell, which looks at all countries around the world and it grades them on digital transformation journey, which includes everything from their use of technology and their investment in people and skills and so on. Um, 
And it revealed, you know, it talks about digital laggards at one end of the scale and then digital leaders at the other. And it revealed that only 7% of Irish businesses would see themselves as digital leaders uh, and digital adopters, only 11% would call themselves digital adopters. So that suggests to me whatever about marketing, but all businesses have a digital transformation journey in this market to go on to get themselves into a place where they can actually say they are digital leaders or digital um, adopters. And and I think that's about looking at everything from, um, first of all, your consumer and how your consumer has changed to how your market has changed. And we talked earlier about the big ecosystems and the impact they have. So how's your market changing? How's your consumer behavior changing? And what are the things you need to do in your business to make sure that you keep ahead of of the consumer or that you at least meet the consumer's expectations? And then think about, is that a data scientist? Is that an investment in technology? Is that an investment in in whatever that might be? So, So for me, I think that's the first point rather than let's all rush out and get more data people. Let's everybody think about what is the digital transformation journey that I need to go on for my business and what are what is my consumer expectation in this space. Okay, great. So um, thanks for joining me. My thanks to Mark and Shenda. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thanks, Dave. Um, thanks, Dave. 2020 is a year of great opportunity. And, when, and we were talking about this before. It's great that when you, you think back, a lot of companies had a, a vision for 2020 and here we are. So it feels like a, a great opportunity to look at the next 10 years. So um, I l- urge everybody to check out Mark's article. It's a great article today in the Irish Times. Check it out in paper or online. And again, my thanks to Shenda and Mark. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Cheers Dave. Bye. This is Inside Marketing, brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions.